Shalom Aleichem and Shavua Tov to all of you, lovely listeners to this beautiful and great station of Torah and religious music. I would like to start with Advar Torah from a uh, couple of Pesukim on Tehillim, which we read every holiday and also on Rosh Chodesh. And it says like this, Halelu et Hashem kol goyim, shabechuhu kol haomim. It's talking to the nations of the world. You nations of the world, praise God. You, all the peoples of the world, praise God. Why? Ki gabar alenu chasdo. Because the kindness of Hashem, His love for us is very strong. Is very great. Now, at first glance, you said to yourself, we're telling the other nations of the world to praise God, and then we're saying, you know why? Because Hashem is good to us, the Jews. Perhaps should I be, you know, praise God because God was good, it was good to you, but no. Telling them, you should praise God because Hashem was good to us. What does that mean? The idea is very, very important and unfortunately has been true since the beginning of the history of the Jews. Throughout the history, there have been many, many kings in their cabinets, in their meetings of the ministers, many emperors, many dictators. They made plans, plans God forbid, to harm the Bnei Israel. They tried to make Gezerot. But a lot of them, a lot of them never came into realization. Why? Because Hashem loves us. They don't come into realization. Hashem foils and cancels whatever their intentions were. And this is very important. And that's why we're saying, Hallelujah, Hashem, you the nations, praise God, because you know, you know what you were doing in your cabinets, in meetings, you know all these plans that you had against the Bnei Israel, and it didn't happen. Why? Because Hashem, His kindness and love is very strong towards us. Well, perhaps same thing over here could have happened. I'm going to describe to you a scenario which is not very far from the truth. Suppose it's now Rosh Hashanah in Eretz Israel. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. The vast majority of the people are in the synagogue. They're praying to Hashem, trying to make Teshuvah, repent from their sins, and return to Hashem, improve their behaviors. They're there. Then, from approximately 20 tunnels or so, Hamas Mashimam, they would send, let's say, in each tunnel, 50 Hamas warriors, Hamas terrorists, heavily armed. And at 9 o'clock sharp, they all come out. 1,000 people come out. On Rosh Hashanah, 9 o'clock in the morning. Now, what would happen? I mean, at that time, Israel is kind of paralyzed. 
it's going to take time. I mean, they will eventually answer. They will respond. But in the meantime, there could be a tremendous chasve shalom, tremendous massacre. A plan like this has been foiled. It has been foiled because for some reason, HaKadosh Baruch Hu made a certain korban. Those three precious souls, the three teenagers that were kidnapped, it started this whole thing. And now, Eretz Israel was quite ready for any situation. It was not taken in, in a surprise fashion. It's unfortunate that in the world, there is a double standard. There are certain standards that are for the Goyim and a, a different standards applied for the Jews. And I'll tell you, somehow that standard that they apply for us is a very restrictive one. For Israel, very restrictive. It, it so happens that the United Nations fact-finding mission on the Gaza conflict, that was the one in 2009, that was known as the Goldstone Report. They reported that Israel was being condemned okay, for violations of international human rights towards the Palestinians. Now we know how Israel is extremely careful when it comes to harming civilians. But it's a big joke, of course. It's a big farce. And Israel told them, go fly a kite. Their facts were all distorted. Most of the allegations were not investigated properly. So they did it because it's Israel. Let me tell you, in the 1950s, a Western country, all of you know France, was fighting the Algerians in the Algerian War of Independence. Do you know how many Algerians were killed, civilians mostly, by the French? We talk about a million or so, approximately a million. Was there any condemnation at the United Nations for the French people, for the French nation? No, never. Now, I'm going to shake you a little bit. I'm going to be talking about an American president. An American president gave the order to kill about 200,000 civilians in order to end the war. His name was Harry S. Truman. He was a great president. We really should have Hakaratato for him because... After the 1948 proclamation of the State of Israel, he was against all his advisors. They all advised him not to recognize Israel. He didn't listen to any of them, and he did recognize Israel. So we should have some recognition as to his uh, uh, beneficence towards Eretz Israel. Nevertheless, he sent two atomic bombs, one Hiroshima, one in Nagasaki. 
the total civilian population killed approximately 200,000. It varies, could be a little more, a little less, but that's about what it did. Now, this could have, they, 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 because they wanted Japan to surrender. Now, the uh, America and the Allies could have achieved the surrender through invasion. But Harry Truman had his own logic. His logic was the following. If we do invade, there will be about approximately perhaps 200,000 American soldiers that will die. It'll take six months. With this, we'll have 200,000 civilians of the Japanese. Rather, the Japanese die than the American die. That was his logic. That logic has been debated for the last 60 years. Whether you accept it or not, we don't know. But one thing for sure, that logic will never be accepted if Israel followed that kind of uh, rationale. Never. Double standard. We're different. Our Torah tells us like this. If we besiege a city, okay, we put a siege around the city. Right? The halakha, according to the Rambam, we're not allowed to surround all four sides of the city. We have to leave one side open. Why? Whoever wants to leave, let them leave. They want to run away? Let them run away. Leave them alone. Don't touch them. I don't know <laughs> which nation will follow that kind of logic. But that's our Torah. Very much concerned about human life. And so is Israel. Now, let's look at it the other way. Suppose, God forbid, those 13 Hamas terrorists that inf they infiltrated through the tunnel and came out, and suppose nobody saw them, and they went in. They would have Hasbi Shalom, you know, you know, a, a huge carnage, a, 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 a catastrophe would have happened. Dozens and dozens of people, because they were intent on killing and murdering, that's it. Suppose, God forbid, they had succeeded. What would the world say? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> it's okay. For them, it's okay. It's only Israel. Israel is not interested in killing civilians. We know that. They only want shalom, peace. They want Hamas to stop launching rockets against their civilian population. Watch. As soon as Hamas will stop launching the rockets, there'll be peace. Even some of the Arab powers also know that. The Saudis know it. Egyptians know it. But, unfortunately, a lot of the Arab world does not agree with that. One thing we can do is, Rabotai, is pray to HaKadosh Baruch. Prayer is an extremely strong way of influencing events and things. And this I'd like to speak about, about this prayer, from the parasha that we read yesterday. The parasha was telling us about a person who kills unintentionally, a shogate, 
It didn't mean to kill, but it did kill someone. And Halakha is what? The Torah says, first you, you send him to the Bedin. The Bedin will decide whether this was purely uh, 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 unintentional or maybe if it was Mezid, it's different. With Mezid, do they have witnesses and you have a, a warning and so on? Then he deserves to be killed. Otherwise, they will take him to the Aremiklat, the city of refuge, where he would stay there until the Kohen Gadol dies. As soon as the Kohen Gadol dies, then they will go free. Why is it dependent upon the Kohen Gadol? Why not perhaps want somebody from the Sanhedrin or, 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 or the Nasi or something? Because it says that the Kohen Gadol, when he goes into the uh, Yom Kippur, into the Kodesh HaKodashim, the prayer that he says at that time is extremely powerful. And he should have prayed that there shouldn't be any kind of negligence, negligent killings like this. Now that he didn't, then this is the, it's dependent upon him. The other thing, that's the power of prayer. The other thing is, the, the, uh, the Midrash says that the people, these this, uh, killers or uh, uh, non-intentional killers who were in the city of refuge, they, the mother of the Kohen Gadol will bring them food and clothing and whatever, candies and what have you. Why? In order to befriend them and they should not pray that her son, who's the Kohen Gadol, should die. They would like him to die so they can be set free. But the mother, as usual, has big Rahmanut about her son. She doesn't want her son to die. So this way, by befriending them, the, uh, the, the, she will stop them from praying. That's the Kawah have a prayer. The Kawah had a prayer. Even these people who killed still, they still have a chance to pray. Let me tell you some uh, events that happened. One of them is in the Tanakh. This is talking about King Hiskia. King Hiskia was a tzaddik. He was one of the very few kings of Israel who has vishalom, not only never was Obed Amadazaran, but he made sure to spread Torah all over the kingdom. Everyone, young and old, everybody knew the Torah and he made sure everyone was learning and studying and everything. In fact, according to the Yemara, they almost called him a Mashiach, but it didn't work out. Now, Ishayahu Navi comes to him because he was very, very sick. And he says to him, Go ahead, start already making your wills. And this because you're not going to recover from the sickness. He's going to die. <laughs> Why? Look, look what I'm doing in the world. Look what I'm, look what I'm doing in my kingdom. 
and make sure everybody is studying, everybody is learning Torah. Why do I deserve this? Sister, because you did not get married. You were not, uh, you did not fulfill the mitzvah of Piriyah Veribiyah. So he said to him, I saw Beruach HaKodesh that my children are going to be Rishayim. That's why it didn't. So he said to him, you know what? That's not your business. Your business is not to look into the future. Your business is to fulfill the commandment of the Torah. So he says, okay, why don't you give me your daughter because of the zechut of yours and Abi, my zechut, okay, maybe uh, we'll have uh, good children. So Yishayel says to him, there's nothing to talk about. The gezerah has already been issued. Nothing to talk about. So the king said to the Navi, okay, finish your prophecy and go leave me alone. He turns to the wall and he starts praying very hard, crying to Hashem. Zechona, remember what my and my ancestor, David Melech, and all the things that I'm doing over here, and so on and so forth. I don't deserve this. Please, let me live. Then, Yeshayahu, before he even left the palace, he, he got another Nebuah telling him, go back and tell him that Hashem is increasing, is lengthening your life by 15 more years. All this because of the tefillah, the prayer. The prayer is very, very, very strong. It does a lot of things. Even the Gezerah of Hashem that was done already was the Gezerah that he should die. The Gezerah was torn. It was avoided because of a sincere prayer. It has to be sincere. As we say, Karov Hashem lechol koreav lechol asher ikrauhu be'emet. Hashem is near those people that call out to him with prayer. Yes, he's near, answers them. When? The whole asher ikra'uhu be'emet. Those that really, truly, and sincerely call out to him. Hashem will respond positively. And now I want to tell you a story, okay, a true story. This was taken from one of the... Uh, Story books of uh, the uh, Magid from Rabbi Pesach Kron. Very interesting. And this has to do, obviously, with important personalities. So it can be verified that it is true. In uh, 1908, the Queen of the Netherlands, that is Holland, her name was Wilhelmina. So she was the queen at the time in 1908. And she didn't have any children. She tried, no, no kids. And the uh, her siblings or whatever are gone. She was the only one. No children means that there will be no continuation of the monarchy. 
of course, that uh, saddened her a lot. And one day, she decided to go on a vacation to a place in near Austria, in, in Austria, near the border of the German, uh, the German uh, nation there. And she was on vacation, so because she was on vacation, she didn't have huge entourage with her, just a few people around. When she debarked from the train, then she looked around and she sees on the platform hundreds of people waiting to greet some important personality. Turned out those people were Hasidim and the great personality was the Munkach uh, Rebbe. Rabbi, big tzaddik. So, she says, she says, well, what's going on here? The Rabbi, the Rabbi, the Rabbi, everybody, the Rabbi, the Rabbi, and so on. Oh, I don't remember if it was the Munkash Rabbi or the Skullin Rabbi. Uh, I'm not sure, but it was one of those two. Akupanim, she starts inquiring. What's this? What's going on? Rebbe is a very, very smart man, a, very, a man of great wisdom, very scholarly. A lot of people come to him for guidance and for counsel, for prayers. And in general, when he prays for them, the the Almighty God listens and uh, the prayer comes out to be true. So she says, okay. She sends a couple of his people, her people, to the rabbi, to the gabai, and she told that she would like to meet the rabbi. Meet the rabbi. Oh. Now, the rabbi, eh? queen. <laughs> Can't deny uh, to meet the queen. So they, made, they decided on the next day they would meet in a very nice, beautiful park. She'd be sitting on a bench with two of her people, and he'll be sitting on the next bench with two yeshiva bahurim, and then they will, they will talk. She was talking in German, he was talking in Yiddish, but they had a translator. So as soon as she starts talking, she realizes what a great man this person is, in, in his wisdom and the way he talks. So finally she opened up to him. She told him, look, I'm very, very worried. I don't have a child. And please, can you pray that I should have a child? So the Rebbe said to her, Ka'et haya, within the year, like, the Malach said to Abraham, Pesarai, Menno, Ka'et Haya, Ka'et Haya. He didn't tell her whether it was a girl or a boy. He said, Ka'et Haya, you're going to have a child. Within a year, you're going to have a child. Of course, she was very happy. Went back home. And guess what? Within the year, she had a child. It was a girl. A girl that she named uh, Juliana. Now, this queen 
the first one, she was the queen of Holland until 1948. She abdicated and Juliana took over. In 19, uh, uh, from 1948 until 2013, then Beatrix, Beatrix took over, finally. And now the present is a king who's the son of Beatrix. He's now, he's now the, the king. But Rabotai, that was the only girl she ever had, the one that the rabbi prayed for. This such is the power of prayer, especially when it comes from a tzaddik. Oh, this is why many of us, uh, many times we go to tzaddikim, the rabbanim that we know are hasidim and tzaddikim, we ask for them to pray for us. It's obvious. Prayer goes all the way through. If it is sincere prayer, if a person prays with, with tears and cries out his heart to Hashem, he will be responded. HaKadosh Baruch Hu will respond to such a person. But it's very hard to describe real intent, real governor. I ask you a question. How many people, when they go pray the Amidah, eh? from the beginning to the end, let's say, how many people have real kavanah that they are the Vukim Bashem from beginning to end? How many? What's the percentage? Very, very, very small percentage. Very. It's unfortunate. You know, one time someone came to Rav Shach, Allah Shalom. It was the, the great uh, uh, Tamin Hakam and the head of all the, the Haridim, Mitnagdim. And he asked him, how could he help him in order to have Kavana in the Amida? He answered him, go to this and this synagogue. You'll find Rabbi Baruch Toledan Watch him. How he praised the Amida. He says, that's the way you should do it. Rabbi Baruch Shalom, when he was standing for the Amida, his mind was not in this earth any longer. His head was in the highest strata, celestial world. His mind was completely taken over with the Kavana with Hashem. His whole body was shaking and moving. Well, that is true prayer. Let us hope that HaKadosh Baruch Hu should imbue us also with the, the, the sechel, the understanding to have that kavanah in our prayers. He will respond to us and he will bring us our Amen. Please let me just finish by saying that this station must continue and needs help. And if you can help, please do so. And as usual, let me say about we have a uh, nicely decorated social hall for any simha. If you are planning a simha, please contact us at SLC. Thank you. Shavuatov.